We're going to turn to the word of the Lord. I have a message this morning that I'm going to deliver to us, and I'm going to do everything that I can to not stand too much in between of you fathers paying for lunch. Isn't it amazing, would you all stand, isn't it amazing on Mother's Day, dads, they take out moms and and daughters and, and they take care of everything and they pay the bill and then on Father's Day, dads take out moms and daughters and sons and then they pay for the bill or they go home and they grill and they're standing in front of the grill and they're sweating and all of those things. I don't, every once in a while I just wonder, do dads really, you know, do they just get the short end of this stick or, or you know what, I think really dads just enjoy it. There is something about that dads just enjoy taking care. And so I know that I'm the only thing between those of you here celebrating with your fathers. I'm the only thing between you and a steak or a grill or or something going on. And so I'm going to do my best to not hold you too long. But I'm going to give you what I believe that God spoke to me about two months ago for this morning. And so if you would, if you do not have your Bibles, we have it on the screen. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 19. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Luke 19 and 1 says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. I purposely didn't preach this around April just in case anyone was upset already. I saved it for Father's Day. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. It's amazing how those things go hand in hand. Verse number 3, And he sought to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Verse 6, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, there's always a they in these stories. There, no matter where, there's a they. It, it never really lets you know who they are, but you know that they are there. There's always a they. And when they saw it, they all complained. It's amazing how they can all be in such unity together. They all complained saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, look, Lord, if I give half of my goods to the poor and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house because he is also because he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost For the next little bit I'm going to title this message the measure of a man the measure of a man Look at someone and smile because you've recognized someone on the picture. And you may be seated. I begin to think about this message and I begin to wonder, what makes a man a man? What does it mean to be a real man or a man's man? 
when I, I, I ask that question, I'm, I'm asking something beyond just a purely biological what is a man? And I don't even know if we're even allowed to ask that question anymore of what is a biological man. But I'm going to ask it this morning and we're going to take a step beyond that because hundreds of years ago this question could have been answered very easily because masculinity was defined by the cultural paradigm in, in which you found yourself. There was, there was no debate, no discussions, no deep questions. No one asked you Do you feel like you were a man? (laughs) It wasn't there. No one had to wonder if it was based or it didn't depend on your preferred pronouns. It's just you were a man or you were a woman. Because men, they they were raised to be warriors. They followed followed after their fathers or or those that were around them. They were a warrior, a philosopher, a farmer, an artist, or, or whatever it was that was handed down to them. That's what they would be because being a man was cut and dry. Today, the answers are not as clear as they once were. Masculinity itself is actually called toxic. There is a phrase called toxic masculinity. And you know, I'm not one to stand up here and say that I am the manliest man in the world. There are some things that I just will not do. My brother is one of these guys that can go hunting and and do all. I knew. Thank you at all. And if that makes me less of a man, then I am less than a man than some of people that are in this house. But there's something about it that just, you know, I don't know what it means to some people that they will say, well, that's a real man. And then I look at them and go, that's not a man that I want to be like at all. I'm perfectly fine with not sitting out in the woods in the middle of the winter, freezing every part of my extremities off just so that I can kill Bambi's mother or her father and and just have to drag her out of the woods and just string her up. I I grew up in Louisiana and you would I hated this time of the year because you would drive by and in their front yard, in the subdivisions, there's a deer just strung up in the front yard. And they're just just—they're as proud as can be. They're out there taking pictures with it in the front yard. I'm like, you know, don't we have HOAs in Louisiana anymore? Some men are just more manly than I am. And so I wanted to find, you know, what really makes a man a man. And so I went to where everyone goes to find all of their answers. I went to the Internet. And I found a site called 150 Jokes About Men, and they are funny because they're true. Well, it hooked me at just the title. How can these not be true? The Internet says they're true, and it says they're funny. Would you like to hear a few of them? I'm glad because I have them in my notes. You're going to hear them anyway. But do not blame me for what I am about to say. They are formed. They are questions. And it says, why will few men find their way to heaven? You want to know what the answer is? Because they never stop and ask for directions. Right? Why did God create man first? Because he needed a rough working model before the creating the perfect specimen of all the species. I notice there are no men clapping at the moment. Why do men need sports action replays 30 seconds after the event? Because they've already forgotten what just happened. Right? Why are all jokes about women one-liners? So men can understand them. The more I read these jokes, the more I realized they were all written by women. 
There's a joke in there about how do you know a, a joke is written by a woman, but I'm not going to say it because that would just be too mean. So what does make a man a man? Is it the fact that he can tell corny, horrible jokes? What I, I begin to ask, and I said, I'm going to find someone that's smarter than I am, someone that's worthy of being quoted. And I, and I found some quotes, and the baseball player Ernie Bakes said, the measure of a man is in the life that he leads and the lives that he touches. Martin Luther King Jr. says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Samuel Johnson said the true measure of a man is how he treats someone who can do him absolutely no good. And I thought to myself, those are deep. Far deeper than anything that I would ever say. And so I'm like, you know, are they really getting the point across? And then I remembered this video that Brother Justin is about to play for us. And it, it points us in the right direction about finding a man. Brother Justin? He almost hit me in a safety zone. Never mind that. we got to get somebody to buy that gold finder. Did I understand you boys to say you had a gold finder? Why, certainly. Why, I'm the fellow you want to meet. I can study the rights to the lost mine. A hundred thousand tons of pure gold. What's $35 an ounce? Think of it. I can't. How much is that in round numbers? That's 80 billion, 16 million, and 51 cents in a fraction. Profit? No, that's income tax. Leaves us $27. Oh, boy. How much you want for it? Well, you only got $50. I'll take it. Yeah. It's a deal. Pay him. Ah. Here you are. Oh, thank you. He doesn't know I got another 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, but I got the map, and that'll cost you 50 more. Yeah. Pay him the $50. I forget where it is. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Oh, it's in his left pocket. Right. Where is this mine? Way out west, boys. Oh, boy, out west. Well, minute, 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 minute. And they're glad of it. Shut up. Taxi, pick us up and make it snappy. Out west. I realize you guys are afraid to laugh. Is this the first time you've seen the Three Stooges in church? Where men are men are men are men are men and they're... Glad of it. And I, I, I couldn't think, I, when I did look up, I did notice that it was only the men that were laughing because apparently this level of humor is just not up to ladies' standards. And that's okay because today is Father's Day. But as I begin to think about that, if it really is out west, there is no greater figure of manliness than the video that I'm about to show you. And it's okay to smile. It really is. Brother Justin's going to show it to us right now. Sun is? Up there. Yeah, on the back of your neck. You're casting a shadow. If you can see it, the fish can see it. 
Always fish with the sun in your face. The other bank's the place. That is, if you want my opinion. Gosh, Imperato, I want your opinion. But Mama won't let me go over there. Why not? I can't swim. You can't what? I can't swim. How old are you? Six. Everybody should swim. Just reach out in front of you and grab a handful of water. Pull it back towards you. Not too fast. That's the way I learned. I did it, Emperado! I did it! Good. Well, how will he get back? Swim. Well, he might drown. Well, then you go get him. Well, I can't swim either. Out west, where men are men are men are men are men. It, is, it, is it how they walk? Is it how they talk? What, what is it that makes a man a man? I mean, there's, there's something about it. And I, I, I begin to say, you know, I am so thankful that he was not around to teach me how to swim because I don't know if I would have made it to the other side. But there's, there's something uh, I begin to ask myself. Is, is it really about how that we walk? Is it about how we talk? Because he's got a distinct walk and a very distinct talk that, that people now, even today, they try to, to mimic his talk and, and all of those things. But then I say, well, really, is it just the measure of a man is how tall we are? Brother Justin has a picture for me of the tallest man in the world and the shortest man in the world. At eight foot nine, Sultan Kassim from Turkey is the tallest man in the world, and Chandra Bahar Danji is 21 and a half inches tall. They met and posed for this photo for the Guinness World Book of Records. And I thought to myself, is it really about how tall or how short? We are that makes a man a man. And then I begin to think about Zacchaeus, who the Bible says was of small stature. I'm guessing he was taller than 21 and a half inches, but I don't know how tall he was because of the song. It says Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. How tall is we? He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. And the Savior passed by that way and looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there because I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today what I have come to understand and now that I've got all of that stuff out of the way and hopefully we're smiling I have come to understand that the measure of a man has nothing to do with what he drives it has nothing to do with the amount of money that is in his bank account it it has nothing to do with how fast he can throw a baseball or how long he can throw a spiral and a football it's not about knowing the right places to fish what the third the true measure of a man is is how far he will go to see Jesus Christ it's not about the suit that you wear it's not about all of the degrees after your name it's simply am I willing to be uncomfortable to see Jesus Christ am I willing to go a little further than everyone else has gone before they can see Jesus in their own way but I must see him and I'm willing to do whatever it takes 
It's not about how much money that you have. That's why we have absentee fathers because they're constantly working and and they're always at the job because they're trying to get the next bigger, better thing. But all the while, the things that are at home that matter the most, they're all being abandoned and left behind. And we have people that are coming forward and they're, they're they're, they're saying that masculinity is toxic and they're saying we don't need fathers in your home. I'm telling you, you need fathers in your home. You need fathers that are going to raise up godly children, boys and girls. Somebody's got to say the true measure of a man is what I'm willing to pour into someone else's life. I'm willing to go beyond the norm. I'm willing to go beyond what's comfortable. I'm willing to tell someone I must see Jesus. All of those things are wonderful, but that's not what got the message across to Zacchaeus. It wasn't that he was rich and a tax collector. It was the fact that he was willing to climb a tree. That's what got Jesus to say, today salvation has come to this house. And because he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It wasn't about his money. It wasn't about his stature. It was about the fact that he said, I'm going to climb a tree. I'm going to go as far as I've got to go. I'm going to run ahead of the crowd and I'm going to see Jesus. You want to know how to get Jesus in your home? Be willing to go the extra mile. Be willing to go the extra step. Be willing to pray a little more. Be willing to reach out a little more. It's okay to say I'm a man. I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm a godly man. I'm searching for the measure of a man and it's not going to come by the world's definition. Some may say that the reason salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus was simply because he returned the money. I'm going to allow them to be wrong this morning because I'm the one preaching this message. What I believe the real reason that salvation came to his house was because of a tree. It wasn't because he said, I'm going to return it all fourfold. I'm going to make everything right. No, it was long before that ever happened that he said, I'm going to run ahead of this crowd because I've got to see who this Jesus is. And I'm going to climb a tree. The people already had an attitude about him. They had an idea about him. They had preconceived notions about him. But Zacchaeus said, I know my limitations and I'm going to climb a tree because I've got to see Jesus. Some of you may be saying, I'm not able to be a father I'm not able to lead I'm not able to do this but if you'll go a little further and you'll reach out to touch Jesus whatever your limitations are they're nothing compared to the power of an almighty God they're nothing compared to what God can do in your life if you're willing to go a little farther I get excited because I have so many limitations. But this very, this very thought and this story, it gives me hope that if I'm willing to run ahead and climb a tree, so to speak, if I'm willing to go ahead and let people ask me, Greg, why are you doing what you're doing? Because I've got to see Jesus. Why are you praying like you pray? Because I've got to see Jesus. Why are you worshiping like you're worshiping? Because I've got to see Jesus. Why are you fasting like you're fasting? Because I've got to see Jesus. Why? Have you got your priorities like you have? Because I must see Jesus. 
Not everyone's going to understand. I already told you. They are going to be around. And they are going to criticize. They are going to mock. But what I'm looking down and saying is I'm not worried about what they're saying. I'm looking for what he's about to say. And what he's about to say is salvation is coming to my house. Salvation is coming to my house. Salvation is coming to my house. The word house there, it's oikos. It does not simply mean just a place of dwelling, but it means your family. It means your generations, your children and their children. It's all generations. It's generations that you will never see. What are you saying? I'm saying that because Zacchaeus climbed a tree, his generations that followed were brought into salvation. They had an opportunity. I'm saying to someone in this house, no one before you may have ever prayed. No one before you may have ever lived a life that was holy and separated but you can change it right now and you can say I'm going to bring salvation to my house because the measure of a man is not about the priorities of the world it's about making sure that I see Jesus See, none of his family was around, none of his children. We don't even know how many he had. We don't know his wife's name. We don't know any of those things. All we know is that he was a little dude that climbed a tree. And because he climbed a tree, salvation came to all generations. There are some of you that are blessed tonight, this morning, and you do not know the name of the man or the woman that was there praying and standing in the gap. You don't even know who they were, but yet you're blessed because of them. You're blessed this morning because someone cared enough to go beyond the ordinary. He could have said, I'm not worthy. I'm not tall enough. I can't see Jesus. The crowd is too great. No, he said, I'm going to climb a tree. I'm going to make a fool of myself and I'm going to see Jesus there's some people in this house that you don't know who it was that prayed the prayer but somebody was down on their knees and nobody else understood everybody else mocked and made fun but they're saying I've got a generation in Arnold Missouri that must see Jesus the measure of a man this could just simply be titled the measure of a child of God. Because believe it or not, ladies, the same thing applies to you. It just happens to be Father's Day, so we're saying man. The same thing on Mother's Day when I preached about a hero maker. Gentlemen, the same thing applied to you. Are you going to pour into someone else's life? Are you going to show what true priorities are? Are you going to just make everything around you happy and say, oh, whatever makes you feel good, go ahead and do it? Or are you going to say, it's not going to be popular, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, let the world do what it wants. Let them go the way that they want. But as for me and my house... It's clear how everyone saw him. He was a Jewish tax collector. And the Jewish people considered him not only a collaborator with the enemy, but a traitor to his own kind. It's so clear. I love that the Bible lets us know how they think. He's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. 
can I tell you that Zacchaeus did not care what they said. There are always going to be they that have something to say. I almost sound like Dr. Seuss. (laughs) They are always going to have something to say. There's always going to be someone that's going to disagree, that's going to tell you that you don't have to go that far, that you don't have to pray that way, that you don't have to be righteous, that you don't have to be separated, that you don't have to have a walk with God. There's always going to be someone that's going to judge and tell you that, oh, you're, in, you're, you're going too far. It really doesn't matter. But there's something on the inside of me that's got a hold of me that's saying, oh, somebody's got to hear it. There's a generation that's coming after you that's waiting on you to say it doesn't matter what they say I'm looking for salvation to come to my oikos to all of those that are around me I'm searching for salvation to come to my family I am the beneficiary of elder brother Trammell driving that little bitty dad called it the pickle bus it's a Volkswagen van. <laughs> he would drive that thing by the house. Those of you that do not know my dad, he was short of stature. About to my shoulder, full-grown man. I could reach down and just, you know, hug. He was short of stature. And you've seen Brother Trammell, tall, thin, lanky. Dad said, I would run and hide. Whenever I'd see that van coming, I'd run and hide behind the behind the house because I didn't want to hear what that preacher man had to say. But the moment that tragedy came to our family, my dad said, "I've got to find that skinny preacher man." That even though I was running and hiding, he kept coming. There's someone that's waiting on you. They may be running and hiding, but in the moment of despair, they're going to say, I've got to find that man or that woman from Bethel because I know that they're going to love me. I know they're going to reach out. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to deal with the pain and the loss. I don't know how to fight this depression. But if I can get a hold of them, they always had love. There was always something more. I know that there's something extra. There's someone that's waiting on you because you're steadfast and you're saying I'm not going to be satisfied with the way that it was. I'm not going to look and I'm not going to say oh let somebody else do it. I'm going to pray the prayers that need to be prayed. I'm going to lead a life that needs to be lived. I'm going to reach out with love and leave condemnation at the door. I'm going to reach out with peace. I'm going to reach out with healing. I'm going to be willing to go beyond. The measure of a man. The picture in black and white over here of the two gentlemen. One of the gentlemen, that's from like they said about 1908. The gentleman is full size at like 5'6". I don't know what happened. Somewhere along the way, guys started getting taller. The other guy is a lot shorter. The caption of the person that was writing about his family, he said... If this picture could speak, what would it tell us about the measure of a man? And I said, I'll preach that for a moment. If we look back over your life, 
and we compare it to everything else that has went. What will your past say about the measure of a man or woman or child of God that you can be? What will it say about where you are headed when the books of eternity are open and God begins to say everything out and it all begins to get weighed out? What will be said about the measure of type of man or woman you are? Will it say that they went beyond what they had to do? Will it say that they loved those that no one else would love that they left condemnation that they left it all behind and said I'm going to love the unlovable I'm going to pray for the unprayable I'm going to let them sit by me and I don't care what they smell like what they look like or what they act like because somewhere along the way God is going to bring salvation into their home God is going to bring salvation into their home Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Oh, and a wee little man was he. But salvation came to his house that day. See, the measure of a man is not in your height. In fact, I would say that the measure of a man is maybe perhaps how low that you can get. That you can say less of me and more of you. I don't really I don't really deserve it God but I'll do whatever it takes to see salvation. And oh, if I could go and be a little bit more brave, I'm going to tell you it doesn't even have to be your blood. You need to care about somebody because there are others out there. They don't have your last name, but they don't know who their father is. They've never known what it's like to feel love and encouragement. And they're looking for somebody in the middle of this dark and evil world that will say, I love you just like you are. I care about you just like you are. I'll pray for you when no one else will. I'll believe in you when no one else will. That's what I'm looking for. That's the measure of a man that'll say you can't do me any good right now but I'm going to pray like no one else does. I'm going to fast as if no one else cares. Oh, Brother Greg, does it really matter? You bet it matters. You bet it matters. Because we are all, all of us, none of us, we may be able to trace our lineage back to the day of Pentecost. But somewhere along the way, even if you can go all the way back to the day of Pentecost, there was someone that said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tarry at Jerusalem until I'm endued with power. No one else may understand, but I'm going to be in this upper room. They may think I'm drunk, but I'm going to be in this upper room. There may be a wind that comes and fire sets up on my head, and I begin to speak with other tongues, and they're going to laugh and make fun. It doesn't matter, because this day, salvation is coming to my house. There's got to be somebody that'll look back and say, I don't deserve it, but somebody has got to come after me and I don't care if they've got my family name I've got to reach for them I've got to love them I've got to heal them I've got to let them know someone cares I love the measure of Zacchaeus but if you'll allow me to tell you about the measure of another man this man we preach a lot about his wife We condemn her. We question why. 
we look around and say, oh my goodness, how could she have done this? But if you'll allow me, let me tear down a little bit of how much we see her husband. We don't even know what her name was. All we know is that she was turned to a pillar of salt. But if you'll let me read just a few verses of Scripture to let me give you the measure of a man called Lot. In the book of Genesis 19, And when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you, are, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the word there in the original context means while he delayed, while he hesitated, while he tarried, while he waited, the men had to take hold of his hand, his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, The plains? No, my Lord. Your servant, if, if I've found favor in your sight and I've increased your mercy, would you, uh, would, you've saved my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now... This city is near enough that we can flee to it and it's just a little one and let us escape there. Is it not just a little one? And my soul shall live. The angel says in verse 22, Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Hurry up, Lot. Destruction is coming. While he lingered. Do I have to really go that far? The city is so much easier. It's closer. Therefore the name of that city was called Zoar. Zoar means insignificance. On his way to insignificance. <laughs> Lot lost his wife. On his way to an easier destination oh we damn and condemn Lot's wife how could she she had family she had daughters how could she do that did she not love her family more than she loved the things of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the while while they're still there Lot's oh let's just tarry a little while I'm just going to hesitate. I know the angels are saying, hurry up. I know, I know they're telling me to, to, to with haste, I need to, I need to go because destruction is coming. But I'm just going to, I'm going to tarry a little while. I'm going to hang out so long that the angels are going to have to drag me out of the city. And when I finally get out of the city, I'm going to tell them, I don't want to go that far. How many of us are in this house this morning? And we have looked and we have said, oh, it would be so much easier just to stay where I am. I'm comfortable here. I'm at ease here. You don't know what I've been through. 
That's why I'm here. You don't know what's happened in my life. That's why, oh, may I suggest that there are sons and daughters. There are people that are watching you. And the angel of the Lord is saying, hurry, hurry. Destruction is coming. I need you to care. I need you to hurry. I need you to care. And even when they drag us out, we're saying, oh, I'm just going to go to a place called insignificance. It doesn't really matter. No one will know who I am. But on the way, the measure of a man... Oh, I don't know if there really were. I've heard it preached that she heard family and friends that were left behind that weren't in the home. I don't know why she turned around. All I know and what I wonder in my heart is this. Had they left when the angel told them to the first time, would she have heard it? Would they have been farther away that she wouldn't have heard the cries? Would they have been safe because the angel had told them to leave? But Lot, the measure of a man said... I'll wait. I'll wait. I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time. There's tomorrow, right? I'll give my life tomorrow. And all the while, his family is weighing in the balance. There's someone that is waiting on you to love them. Someone that's waiting on you to care about them. Their entire future and destiny of their soul is depending on you saying, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to get out of here. My family is worth more. My family is worth more. But Can I tell you about another man? One chapter earlier by the name of Abraham. The same man that Zacchaeus was from. According to the scripture. Zacchaeus is the beneficiary of Abraham. But Abraham is standing there and the angels are with God. And God is letting him know that the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. Men leave out to go see what's going on. And Abraham says, "Uh, God, I'm going to hang out for a minute. You know what? Are you really going to destroy the righteous and the unrighteous together? I mean, is that really how you want to roll, God? I mean, come on. what, What about 50? What if you find 50 righteous? Is that enough to save the city? You know what? Abe, that's a good number. He could call him Abe. They were friends. Some of y'all will get that later. Well, God, what about 45? Just five less? 45? You know what? I'll do it for 45. Oh, God, I'm just ash and dust. I'm nothing important. But what about, what about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? Abraham, chapter prior, knew that salvation needed to come to the house of Lot, even if Lot wasn't willing to pray the prayer. And he said, God, I'm going to talk you all the way down. And even if they can't find any, 
And the Bible says that there was no, no, we don't know how many were found. All we know is that the angel, because of the mercy of the Lord, saved Lot and his family. There's someone that's got to be willing to pray the prayer even though they don't know you're praying for them. There's got to be someone that's willing to say, God, I know that I'm nothing to even ask this, but I'm asking you, will you save that family? Will you save that family? I know they may not look like it and we may not be able to see it, but God, I love them. I care about them. I can't let their soul be lost. Will you save them? God, will you save them 50 40 it doesn't matter God you I need you to save my family I'm asking if there's anyone in this house this morning that's willing to say my family is worth it they may not think it they may not feel it they may not even want it but I know that they're worth it and I'm willing to pray for them I'm willing to reach for them I'm willing to care for them Mama, Daddy, uh, the measure of you. I've told you of my friend that says that he doesn't know of when we say the love of a father, he doesn't know what that means because he never had it. But yet there was someone along the way that came to him and said, God loves you. There was someone that reached down to where he was and said, I love you. I care about you. I believe in you. There were times, and I'm not patting myself on the back, we just had a relationship like this. But I would just go to him and I would just say, I believe in you. I'll send him a message every once in a while, even though we're hours apart. And I'll say, I believe in you. I miss you. I care about you. God's called you to something great. There's somebody that's waiting on you to care about them. There's somebody out there that's broken. There's somebody out there that's been wounded that needs somebody to say, I care about you. I'll forgive everything that you think can't be forgiven I don't even care about that I know a God that's already forgotten it and he'll heal your wounds I want to introduce you to him and if it means I have to be a fool for Christ's sake I'm going to be a fool let them say what they will but your soul matters your soul matters your soul matters can we stand as they come to the music in the bottom center is a fellow by the name of Ozzie Smith. I called my father when he was still alive, and it was a Father's Day, and, and I told him, I said, Dad, I have something that I, I want to tell you. Okay. <laughs> he may have said something like, Well, you called, so go ahead. <laughs> That's just dad. And I said, Dad, you never taught me how to throw a perfect curve. There was silence. I said, Dad, you never even taught me how to throw a football. You didn't hit grounders to me so that I could practice to become the second greatest shortstop of all time. Because the first greatest is Ozzie Smith. He's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. There's nobody like Ozzy, the Wizard of Oz. 
I had a story that I read that I got when I was a child, a book of Ozzy, and they said that he would, he would close his eyes and he would throw the ball, and that was his way of, like, his reactions. I was not man enough to do that. But I remember our, my friends, I would have them, I would tell them, hit the ball way over there so that I would have to run and dive. I would run and dive and the ball would still just keep going. <laughs> it's hard to run and dive when you're pigeon-toed. <laughs> I mean, you just run and fall usually if you get too crazy. <laughs> but I remember my buddies, they would hit the ball and I would do my best and I would go out and we played, I played baseball a couple years and dad never missed a game, but I remember I would go and I would say, Coach, Coach Gaddis, I want to play shortstop. Left field, right field, the bench. <laughs> I never missed a game, but I told him, I said, you never, you never did any of those things for me. In fact, my best friend Josh, it was his dad that taught me a lot of things in baseball and football and there's a flagpole at the school by my house, and my buddy Josh thought it was smart. This may explain a lot of me today. He could throw a football. This jerker was, man, he was muscular, tall. He still has all of his hair. He could pitch. He could hit. He just, you know, just one of the, he's blonde, blue-eyed. Just like, he's that guy that you just like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with Josh for a little while. <laughs> but he thought it would be funny, and he said, go long, I'm running as hard as I can and I'm watching the ball and I catch the ball and I turn around to celebrate and run backwards and smack, I hit that flagpole and dropped. Dad, you could have told me not to do that, but you never did. Silence just like you're giving me right now. Man, you're hateful. No, I'm not because I followed it up with this. But you taught me how to pray. You taught me that when I'm broken, I can go to God. You taught me that if I needed you to pray, this would be what you would say, well, let's just pray about it. You taught me that the answers to everything, I could find them in the Word of God. You taught me that even if... No one else believed in me. I could be everything that I believed that God had called me to be. My dad never held his license with the UPCI. He never pastored unless you count nursing homes, hospitals, funerals. Because dad counted that. The measure of a man was not about what they can do for you, but what you can do for them. And I remember, I don't know, Eddie's here, I don't know if it was, he, I don't know if you told me or if dad told me, but the thing that dad was worried about before he came was, the nursing home they're going to be expecting me the measure of a man I was at my nephew's graduation party yesterday and we were joking laughing 
told them I never really got a graduation party like this. Then they were talking about his vehicle. He's got a truck, and he's paid it off. And I said, you know what? Your papa, my dad, I had to pay for my first vehicle, and he had a car lot. <laughs> Hateful. <laughs> then this joker would, he would drive, he had this, there was this one truck, I remember it, because it still hurts to think about it. It was a red S10. They had Krager SS rims on it. 50 series tires on the back, four-cylinder, five-speed. No way it could turn those tires, but, man, it looked good. He called home from the lot because we didn't have cell phones back then. And he told Mom to have Greg's, Greg out front waiting. He pulls up in that red S10. And he says, go look at it. And I thought it was mine. And he goes, no, I just wanted you to see it. The measure of a man. I'm beginning to rethink a lot of these things. But do you know why I can, I can laugh about those things? Because when we look back, they don't really matter. Eddie, they don't really matter at all. How many times, Kim, you've even told me that you would go by and he's sitting in there and he's reading his Bible in the room. How many times have been? I've been there with you when he was at the car lot and somebody would come in. All of a sudden, you just see dad out there and he's just praying with him. See, that's the measure of a man I'm talking about. Those people, he may not even know their name. But he said, oh, others may laugh. They may not understand. Like the song, my name may never be in lights on the marquee. When I first got my license, Brother Manning, I looked it up in the book. I said, I want to know how many other hookers there are in this thing. <laughs> there were two of us in the manual. I was like, yes. Two hookers in the UPCI. God save us all. My dad's name was never in that book. But you know where it was and is? It's in the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> this morning... You may be looking at yourself saying, oh, I'm not this or I'm not, oh. But is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Who is it that's looking at you that's saying, oh, they believe in me? They care about me? They, I remember Sister Favors and Brother Favors. I, I remember them. We were praying, and we, we didn't have enough people for all of the needs, and, and they just came to me. We had typed them all out, and, and they just took a page apiece, and they put it in their Bibles, and they said, we're going to pray for these needs. We're going to pray for these young people. I still remember them to this day. Why? Because they made a difference in my life, and when they passed away, I was given their Bible and said, open it, and in the front of it, they had every name, and they had it taken and they had when they were praying they were making notes I'm telling you the measure of a man the measure of a man there are many things that you may never do but if you can make the difference in the heart and the life of one person you have done more than anything else in this entire world. Every head bowed, closed, and every eye, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'll get it out. They're gonna sing in the moment, and I'm not gonna ask anyone to come to the front. I'm just going to ask you to think. 
when your story is written, what will they say? And by they, I'm talking about this time, the people whose handprints, your handprints on their life. Brother Gleason in Kansas City, he says, how many people have your DNA because you were willing to reach down to them when they were broken and touch them and care about them? That line, it stuck with me because it means that you weren't, you weren't worried about getting dirty. You weren't worried about anything else. You were just saying, I've got to help them because, oh, I have so many handprints on my life because someone was willing to reach down to where I'm at and say, I care about you. I care about you. I love you. I believe in you. Somebody, when I look back and if I could write their story, I would tell you that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm standing on the shoulders of men and women that are far greater than I could ever be, than I could ever be or ever will be. But they loved me enough and they cared for me enough that they said, I will not tarry. I'll take you by your hand and I'll take you to a higher ground. And then when I've got as high as I can go, I'm going to push you up because I believe in you. measure of a man I'm going to pray as they begin to sing but this message is not just about dads I could name the name of 15 men right now from one church there are men in this church that before before I was ever who I am right now you said I love you there are ladies in this church that would tell me I believe in you I care about you keep preaching like you're preaching keep doing what you're doing God's hand is on your life somebody willing to was willing to say it's not just about Father's Day it's about every day God I ask that you would touch each and every person that's in this house there are those that are broken and hurting this morning they feel the loss not easy but you are the peace that passes all understanding you are the comforter I'm asking that on this day that you would be their comfort and realize that let them realize you are with them there are those that are here that are in the middle of pain of their own life and they're wondering do you really love me enough let them know you do the true measure of a man, if we had to compare ourselves, would be to you. That the man who knew no sin, tasted all sin. 
the measure of a man that carried the cross until he could not carry it anymore, was nailed to it, cried, it is finished. That's the measure of a man that said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. It wasn't about him. It was about the mission. God, I'm asking that you would bless each and every man, woman, and child in this house. Let them know that when they are alone, you are an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Let them know that you care for them, that you are reaching for them, and that you believe in them. And if you believe in them, anything is possible. You have called them for such a time as this. And all of the days that have spoken and caused hurt and caused pain. God, you're going to wipe all of that away. You're going to reach down to those wounds and you're going to begin to pour the, the hot oil, the hot salve, and you're going to begin to wrap it up with your presence. And the healing virtue is going to begin to flow. And we, as a body, are going to be a part of the healing. Because the measure of a man, the measure of a woman, the measure of a church, the measure of this body is not going to be in a sheer number, but it's going to be that we cared for someone else. That we loved someone else. That we would reach for someone else. I ask that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would give them joy throughout the day, throughout the week. That your presence would strengthen them as it draws them close to you. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. If you would, would you lift your hands if you feel comfortable? If not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Would you just tell him, I love you? Let him... Let him touch you this morning. If you just want to bow your head, just, Father, touch me. Touch me. Let me feel your love. Let me feel, let me feel your strength. Oh, let me feel the joy. Because, God, it's with joy that we can draw from the wells of salvation. Salvation is coming to their house.